Morning Ramp Church. Uh, we're actually going to start with a reading today uh, by our very own Sanja. So go ahead, Sanja. Good morning. So, as Joe said, today's reading will be taken from John 10, verses 1 to 5, 9 to 16, and 22 to 30. The words will be on the screen, but if you do, it's so good to actually get your your proper Bible out, not your phone. It's good to flick pages and read along with me. Some traditional churches would say, let us stand for the reading of the word. Ah, you may still be in bed. You may be on your sofa. I'll let you off, <laughs> but I'll start. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. 22. At the time the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. <laughs> And he has given them to me. He is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Sanja. What a powerful word. Uh, and there are a few, few chapters in the Gospels where we get Jesus talking about one topic for so long. And so we're going to dive into John chapter number 10 today. The title of this message is Jesus my shepherd, Jesus, my shepherd. But we're in the middle of a chapter here at Ramp Church, and the name of the chapter is even here, even now, 
even us. And we're diving into what does it look like to posture ourselves as a people, as a community, to believe that God can actually do something in us and through us in the middle of this crazy season. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at Jesus' own journey. And his ministry only lasted three and a half years or so. And the entire time he knew what was coming. So he even told people along the way, I'm going to die. I've got to give my life. Um, and don't, don't, don't be nervous about that. It's, it's all part of the plan. But Jesus had an even here, even now, even us mentality. He, he understood that uh, there's a lot of circumstances that may look like they're against me fulfilling purpose, me reaching potential. But ultimately, God can still use all the limitations that this season has to actually fulfill his purpose. And before we even get into our message today, I just want to just speak that over every person watching. Maybe you're brand new to faith and you've just stumbled across our stream or you've been invited by somebody. I, want to, I just want to tell you today, God created you with a purpose. You're not purposeless. He created you with potential. You're, where you are today is not the, the end of where you're going in life. God has, has, has breathed purpose into you, and there's a potential that you've yet perhaps to experience. And it's, it, it, it all is discovered through following him, through coming to know him, through hearing his voice, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Or maybe you're part of the Ramp Church family, and um, you are week in, week out, uh, a committed follower of Jesus. There's always more places to follow. You know, if, if being uh, a part of the family of God was simply a decision or a prayer that we prayed, then it's just a one-time event, isn't it? And then we're kind of done. But it isn't that. Really, the essence of this is a journey we're going on with Jesus. We're actually following him somewhere. And the, the very essence of following means that the leader is going somewhere. It's not just a decision. It's, you can't think of following Jesus as a room that you get a ticket and then you come sit down in. That's, that's not how this is. It's more like a road. And uh, when you make that decision to follow, there's a whole lot of legs to this journey. And maybe you are a committed Jesus follower, but all along the way, there are new things to be found out about God, new things to discover about ourselves and new purpose to step into to impact the world around us. So even here, even now, even us. You know, uh, generally when I tell stories um, to open up a message or to use as an example in a message, I don't like to tell stories where um, I am good at something and other people aren't. I kind of like to tell stories where maybe I'm not so good at something. But when we talk about following the story that immediately comes to my mind is, unfortunately, my wife, Stacy. She, she may be, she may be, the most directionally impaired person that I know. Um, you can pretty much guarantee, if we're walking into somewhere that we've never been before, um, she, will, she will, nine times out of ten, she'll go the wrong way, just, just by nature. And the, the amazing thing about it is, if you know Stacy, she does not lack confidence. So she, when, when, when she goes that direction, she is going that direction in the full belief that it is the right direction. 
So uh, the, the, my favorite is when we leave a hotel room and we're headed to the lobby. Remember when we used to go to hotel rooms, like before, before lockdown, before the pandemic? Remember that? There are these things called hotels. You pay a, pay a room for the night? Anyway. So Stacy and I, we would come out of a hotel room, and with utter confidence, Stacy would turn toward what she thought was the lobby. And nine times out of ten, I'm like, babe, it, babe it's, it's, it's this way. It's, it's actually this way. And, but what, what the most hilarious part is when she actually steps in to try to, like, correct my directional skills. That's when it really gets funny. And it's especially when driving, when, when, when I'm navigating some way and coming from the person who, um, who has to get Google Maps from the Tesco we go to every week back home, she'd be like, are you sure you're going the right direction? And I'm like, really? This is, this is the follower asking the, 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 the leader who, who has a pretty good sense of direction, which way we're going? And I don't know about you, but if there's anything that marks the past 18 months of our life here on planet Earth, it is a tough way of finding directions. And I know I'm not the only one um, because this right here, uh, do you know in 2020, there were more Google searches beginning with the word why than ever before? In the history of Google, 2020 saw more, more searches beginning with the word why than ever before. The reason is because people are directionless. They're seeking guidance. We're seeking clarity. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing that the first place so many of us go to is, is a robot. It's a machine. It's a computer. It's an algorithm. And we're going to ask why to Google. And when we get into John 10, Jesus is using a motif that is used all throughout Scripture, a motif of shepherd and sheep, and, and God all throughout the Old Testament is, is talking to Israel, and he's discussing with them uh, how he longs to shepherd them. And Jesus then comes along, and we know that Jesus is... Um, the, the, the image of the invisible God. He is, he is God in flesh. Um, he is God incarnate. And so when you, when you look at Jesus, you see God. And Jesus came, and when he starts to talk about his relationship with the people around him, we get to John chapter 10. And he doesn't say, I, I want you to understand the primary way I'm going to interact with you is I'm going to sit on a throne and you're going to be my subjects. And whatever I command, you do like a mindless robot. That's not what he said. He, he could have said that. He's God. After all, um, whatever he wants to do, he can pretty much has the, the authority to do that. He created all that there is. So... He could have done that. He, he didn't say, I'm the master of a house and you're my servants and I want you to wait on me hand and foot. He didn't say, I'm going to be a judge in a courtroom and so everything you do, I'm going to judge the level of your performance. No, when, when it came to use a, a metaphor, an analogy, an illustration of the way he was going to interact with us, he used a shepherd and a sheep. This isn't someone talking about Jesus. John chapter 10 is Jesus talking about himself. Now, his early followers would have 
absolutely understood what Jesus was getting at because it was an agrarian society. Everybody saw shepherds around. So there's a lot of things he didn't say about shepherds because he didn't have to. It was just understood um, to his early followers that maybe we lose along the way. And so uh, I just want to, to just unpack a couple of those for you real quick, and then I'm going to get into the text in a more specific way. But uh, Jesus's original followers would have understood that the shepherding role is, is one as Jesus described. It's a, it's a role of care. It's a role of leading his sheep to a place where they're nourished. Um, we see in Psalms 23 this beautiful picture of, of the shepherd caring for not just the bodies of their sheep, but even the soul. And um, of course, the analogy there's for us as humans that our souls are cared for. And Jesus today, he wants you to, to lead you to a place of soul nourishment, soul rest. And that's why right in the middle of John chapter 10, Jesus says, there's a thief um, who's come and he's come to steal and kill and destroy. And the, 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 Jesus is trying to compare different leaders. And sometimes you're led by, by other voices, Google. <laughs> I don't know where the source of your leadership is, is today. I don't know who you're following. But Jesus is trying to say, anybody who you're following that's not me is a thief. They've stepped, this is what Jesus is saying, they've stepped into my place. Because they don't know the way you're wired, like I do. They don't know what your soul needs. They don't know what you need along the way. And Jesus is saying in the middle of John chapter 10, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But really, the, the summarizing verse of Jesus's whole sermon in John 10 is this, and this is where we're going to hang our hat for the next 30 minutes or so. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I'm going to read that again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We learn three things from this passage, this one scripture, that to be a sheep, to be a follower of Jesus, there's a hearing, there's a knowing, and there's a following. And the past few weeks, we have been talking about hearing God's voice. And when I go to John chapter 10, I'm expecting Jesus to, to tell me, okay, what do I need to do to hear? Because that's what he's talking about. How are we hearing? How are we following you? If we're following you, we need to hear you. But Jesus doesn't break down hearing in isolation. For him, there's a holistic perspective on hearing. And hearing is connected to knowing, and it's connected to following. So that's what we're going to look at today. I want to read um, uh, an excerpt from a book by uh, Sally and Sarah Clarkson that I think just is so great. Um, and um, the Clarksons uh, are authors but they also um, discuss the power of words, the power of communication, parenting, a lot of different topics. But I want to read this incredible excerpt about um, how words, how the things we hear shape us. This is incredible. Owen Barfield, a philosopher who's thinking about language and consciousness greatly influenced C.S. Lewis, pointed out the following about the way we humans experience and know the world. This is what Barfield said. I do not perceive any thing with my sense organs alone, but with a great part of my whole human being. 
Thus, I may say loosely that I hear a thrush singing, but in strict truth, all that I ever merely hear, all that I, all that I ever hear simply by virtue of having ears is the sound. When I hear a thrush singing, I am hearing not with my ears alone, but with all sorts of other things like mental habits, memory, imagination, feelings, and to the extent at least of what the act of attention involves it, my will. The Clarkson's go on to say, in other words, before you can, quote, hear a thrush singing, someone had to teach you what singing was. Someone had to show you a certain bird and teach you its name. Someone even had to tell you that you should use your will to stop and listen to the song of a bird because it's something beautiful. Words play a central role in helping you identify and name the experience of hearing a thrush singing and made it more likely that you would even notice the song. In the same way, with each new name children learn, with each description they hear of the world, language is teaching them what to pay attention to, how to perceive it, what value to place upon it. What were Clarkson's trying to say there? They're trying to say healing, uh, hearing is a holistic endeavor. It's not just about sound coming into your ear. It's, it, it involves the way you experience life itself. And so the first step to hearing, and we've talked about this the, the past few weeks, is you've got to analyze the source of what you're listening to. And you've got to understand what hearing is. And that's the first place we're going to start this Message. If we look at John chapter 10, it was to hear, to know, and to follow. The first thing we're going to talk about is to hear. Can I give you a little Greek lessons today? Um, we don't always go this teachy here at Ramp Church on a Sunday morning. But last week I said, well, I'm going to take you to Bible school for a minute. And this morning I'm going to do the same. So you may want to grab a pen and a paper because there's going to be some things that you can unpack throughout the week. If you are new to faith and you're going, man, this is so much to digest in one message, I want to encourage you, be a part of a ramp community uh, because ramp communities are the space midweek where we get together with other believers. It's all on Zoom right now, so it's super easy, super accessible. And it's a way where you can, where you can learn how to take maybe some of these seemingly abstract or big picture, really teachy things. And how do I apply this to my life this week? Week. Or maybe you're going, Joe, go even deeper. I want to know more. Well, those communities is also a great space for you to connect with other believers who want to go deeper as well. So the word here in, um, in, in uh, John 10 is the word akuo. Akuo. Can you say that? Akuo. akuo. It's where we get the word acoustic. It's where our English word acoustic comes from. And it has this idea behind it that isn't just we hear the sound. But if you've ever played an acoustic guitar, you can actually feel the vibration of the guitar in your body as you're playing it. That when Jesus says hear, he doesn't mean, just like the Clarksons described, that the sound enters our person. What he means is that something on the inside moves. Just like an acoustic guitar, that something inside of us resonates with the word of God. That to Jesus, hearing is not simply sound entering our ear, it's a kuo. It's something in us moves. Um, I'm reminded of the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. This is an amazing story. Before we go there, um, uh, it, it is a picture of this akuo word. But let me give you some back 
round, because I'm just going to read one verse from Luke 24. In Luke 24, Jesus has died, and all of his followers are really distressed. They don't know which way to go. They're trying to figure out what's, what's happening around us, and where do we go from here? The guy we were following is now gone. Ha have you ever, has Jesus ever done something that really confuses you? Maybe you're a, a Jesus follower, and he's, he's He's, he's done something in your life. He's asked you to go somewhere, and you're like, where is he going with all of this? That's where the disciples were at that moment. Even though he told them plenty of times what was going to happen to him, the sound entered their ear, but they really didn't perceive what he was doing. And when Jesus uses the word akuo, the word hear, he means not just hearing, he means perceiving, understanding, that we haven't really heard God until we perceive accurately what he's trying to tell us. It's why there, could, there were thousands of people that Jesus ministered to, but not everybody chose to follow him, even when he was alive. Why? Because they heard his teaching, but they didn't really perceive who he was. They didn't really get it. So here's some of his followers. Jesus has died, and the, the, Luke tells the story of them walking away from Jerusalem. They were walking to a town called Emmaus. Now, it's about seven miles in between Jerusalem and Emmaus. So uh, that's going to take around about two hours, two, two and a half hours. These guys are walking on this journey. And as they're walking, they're talking about what had just happened to Jesus. Because Jesus was like a superhero, okay, of that day. Everybody knew what was going on. He was out in the wilderness healing thousands of people. Literally 20, 25,000 people would gather to hear him preach. He's, he's in the temple often. So the dude was very well known. And then he gets crucified. He gets executed in a really strange way. So now these, these followers of, of, of him are confused about this. And this amazing story, they're walking from Jerusalem where Jesus was just tried and killed to Emmaus. And Jesus shows up. Now, they didn't know that Jesus had, raised, had, had been raised from the dead by, by Father God. And Jesus shows up on the road, and he starts just chatting with them. They didn't realize who he was at first. He had kept his identity hidden from them. And they start talking about the scriptures. And across, along the journey, so we have a couple hours here to talk to Jesus about the scriptures. Talk about an amazing opportunity. By the end of it, they, they end up having a meal with Jesus, and through the meal, their eyes open up to see who Jesus really is. That's really, in a microcosm, the, the, the journey of hearing from God is first we start to discuss, and then our eyes are open to perceive. But look what they say about their experience of talking to Jesus. They said to each other after Jesus left them, did not our hearts burn? Akuo. Something in us was resonating. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us? What happens when you really hear God's word? Akuo, something moves in you. You resonate on the inside. Your heart burns while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. When you are genuinely hearing, when you're in that, that relationship with Jesus, that John 10, he's my shepherd, I'm a sheep, and you're hearing him for real, something on the inside moves. Now, this story was huge for early followers of Jesus because they were trying to, 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 to understand Jesus is not dead. He, he, he raised from the dead. Now, 
If you've been around church, that's not an uncommon kind of idea. But for them, that was totally off the map. They never imagined that the Messiah would raise from the dead. And they used this story. Um, and, and Paul tells us that Jesus actually revealed himself after he was raised from, raised from the dead to over 500 people. They used this story as, a, as proof to go, hey, these people have witnessed the risen Lord. The road to Emmaus did not our hearts burn within us. This story also tells us a principle that I want to teach you today about hearing. And I, I put this in kind of a catchy phrase to help you remember it. Your hearing gets connected as your heart gets corrected. Your hearing gets connected as your heart gets corrected. See, Jesus sees a holistic, a holistic work in you to where hearing God's voice is not just about, let me, get, let me sit down with my Bible, open it up, and God, you speak words to me. It's a holistic experience. And as your heart gets ready to hear him, your ears will get connected to his voice. As your heart gets prepared to do what, he, to do what it is that he's going to tell you to do, your ear will all of a sudden hear him in a fresh way. Your hearing gets connected as your heart gets corrected. You need to create an internal environment for God's word to be heard. Look at this in Mark chapter 4. This is incredible. Jesus is teaching. Mark chapter number 4, starting in verse number 24. Let's go to that next slide. We'll, we'll read Mark 4 together. Then he, Jesus, added, pay close attention to what you hear. I'm telling you this, viewer. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the closer you akuo, let's, let's listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who akuo to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not, next slide, listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. What's Jesus trying to say? He's trying to say when there's an environment in your heart that's prepared to hear me, you are positioning yourself to hear even more. But if, if there isn't an environment prepared where my voice can be perceived and understood, even the little understanding that you have, it can't thrive in that environment. That's why in other places, Jesus would compare his word to seed. And how many know the life of the future plant and then all the seeds that that plant produces are in that one tiny seed. But the success of that seed is not about the, the, the quality of the seed. The success of the seed is about the quality of the environment. If the seed is put in an environment that's conducive to its growth, it will automatically grow. That's what Jesus is talking about here. If when he speaks to us, that word finds an environment where it wants to be understood, it wants to be perceived, it wants to be cherished, it wants to be honored, it wants to be submitted to, it wants to be lived and followed, all of a sudden you have created an environment that's inviting more of God's word. That's what Jesus said in Mark 4. To those who have, more will be given. He's not trying to say, I'm going to look at you and judge you and go, oh, well, are you, are you ready for me? Because this is what he's saying. When there's an environment there, the word produces and it produces more word. And now that environment does draw the voice of God. I, I you know, personally, I'm, I'm wired. This is just my personal nature. I'm wired um, to, to view my own self through a performance lens. 
And this hasn't always, this is a bit, this is a bit transparent for you guys. This is, has not always been a benefit in my life. And it's, it's, I, it's oftentimes crept into my relationship with God to where I, I often interact with him and I'm reading his word, I'm trying to understand truth. And oftentimes I interpret it through this lens of, oh God, the, God's love for me or his care for me is directly connected to my my ability to perform, to do certain things for him or certain things for the kingdom. And it doesn't just stay, it doesn't just stay in my relationship with God. It's probably most evident in my relationship with Stacy, with my wife. And when I'm having an especially stressful day or I'm down or I'm, I'm tired, I can feel that lens start to come into my, my ears, into my vision. And it's amazing, things that she could say to me in love and in care, they'll come through a performance filter. And oftentimes, what I hear is not what she's actually saying. What I'll often hear when I'm in a, when I'm in a bad place, sometimes I hear this, you're failing and you'll never please me. Wow. It's just a regular conversation. It's like, why is that what I'm hearing? And I can feel like defensiveness like start to rise in me. And then sometimes I act on that, I react, and then through conversation I realize, she's like, I didn't even say that. I didn't mean that at all. And I'm like, well, I, I, that's what I heard. That's what I, that's what I heard. But that, is, that may be what I heard, but that's not what she said. You know, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. We think we're hearing from him, but we're not perceiving or understanding what he's actually telling us. Practically, when my view of God is distorted, I have a hearing block. If God to you or to me is an absentee landlord or an absentee father, you're going to have a hearing block. If he's a judging committee constantly rating your performance, if he's a master of ceaseless need for you to serve him, Maybe he's a dictator who thrives on controlling you in your mind. Maybe he's a big man on an ego trip, wanting to trick you, a master of bait and switch, who will ultimately disappoint. I want to tell you, you're going to have a hearing block because God realizes no matter what I say to them, they're not going to hear this properly. So to be able to hear what God is saying rightly, we've got to step into the story of this word and our minds have got to be renewed. So when we see him rightly, we're, we're creating an environment in our heart and mind to hear more from him. You'll have hearing problems if your picture of God isn't rooted in the person of Jesus. You wondering what God's like today? He, he looks like Jesus. That's what he looks like. That's why Jesus came. Jesus... Jesus came to bring God near. He came to bring God in human form. He came to bring God in flesh that's tangible, that we can hear him speak, that we can touch him, that we can see what he does when he interacts with things that are outside of his will, with sickness, with, with disease, with uh, lack. Well, we can see what God, uh, the way God interacts with hopelessness and, and despair and distress. That's God's perspective on your situation. And for you to see Jesus rightly is for you to step into that place so you can hear God rightly. The first step in interacting with this shepherd Jesus, with this shepherd God, this God who wants to shepherd us, is to hear, to perceive, to understand, to create an environment to hear more. The second step is to know. Know is to know. I'm going to teach you some more Greek. Is that all right? 
So akousto is here. No in this passage is the Greek word genosko. Genosko. Now, um, the reason I'm teaching you Greek is because the, this book was originally written in Greek. I know um, Hollywood has told you that Jesus is blonde-haired, blue-eyed, six foot tall, and speaks English. But um, sorry to disappoint, he was near Eastern, and he probably wasn't six foot tall, and he spoke Aramaic. But the common language of that day, the lingua franca is, is, is what history calls it, is Koine Greek. And it was kind of everybody's second language if it wasn't their first. Everybody spoke this. And so that's why these, uh, these original accounts of Jesus' lives uh, of Jesus' life were written in Koine Greek. So that's why we're going into the Greek. So to know in this passage is the Greek word genosko, genosko. And um, the, uh, Jesus could have used many other words for, for no. Um, in, in our language, no is the primary word we would use for this, to know something. But he, he could have used, he could have used ido, which means to see with the mind's eye. It's a clearly... Um, mental perception of something. He could have used epistemi, which is a knowledge obtained um, by proximity. It's just where you're around something, so you, you get to know it a bit. Um, he, he could have used sina amy, which, which means knowledge gained through the five senses. So that's just something you interact with in the natural. But he didn't. He used genosko, which means a knowledge grounded on personal experience. When Jesus says, my sheep hear me and they know me, they genosco, he didn't mean they see and they, they, they get, yeah, there I am, I'm Jesus. He means they experience who I am. See, the Hebrew, the Hebrew uh, uh, perception of know is not like our Greek understanding. Our Western understanding is to know something means I can mentally comprehend it. It means I can understand it. But Jesus goes a step further. My sheep don't just have a mental understanding. They actually have an interaction. They have an experience. This, it's why the scriptures would say things about, uh, about people and creating children. Adam knew Eve. Abraham knew Sarah. That doesn't mean they sat down and talked about their favorite color and their favorite food, if you get what I'm saying. They knew each other. There's an experiential interaction. That's the idea of this word. It's the same word. This is the same word. And Joseph knew Mary. It's this same word used in the New Testament, genosko. And it's this idea of being shaped in interaction with Jesus. We don't just hear, but we know him. Look at John 15. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of what Jesus is trying to get through to us. Jesus says, I am the vine... You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's this experience. We're remaining in each other. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. In other words, you're fruitless. You're trying to do this thing without me. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned, if you remain in me, now we're getting to hearing, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you thought prayer was just simply a conversation, you're missing the John 10 
metaphor. You're missing the John 10. Hear, know, follow. You're missing this holistic picture of what it means to walk in relationship, not just to Akuo, but to Genosco with, with Jesus. My words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples or my followers. We're to be shaped by God. But do you know the amazing thing about John 10, 27? Let's look at this again. My sheep hear my voice. It didn't even say, and they know me. Jesus said, I know them, and they follow me. The, the, the reason this is powerful is, for, is because of this principle right here. To know Jesus, we must also be known by Jesus. You see, some of you, when I started talking about knowing God to genosco, to experience him, you started feeling this weird pressure, this weird religious pressure. Like, I've prayed for an encounter. You know, I've sought him. I, I want to meet God, and I just haven't found it. But the, the, the sheep analogy that Jesus is using, he didn't say, and they know me. He said, I know them. Do you know to really step into genuine relationship with God means this. I'm willing to be seen and known by God. If you think it's hard to know God, try allowing him to know you. You see, he's easy. He, we want to get to know him. He's perfect. There's no issues there. But the last thing uh, sometimes I want him to see is in here. I mean, in, in here. I mean, those like corners, those crevices, those, those closets. I don't want him looking in those wardrobes. Please don't open that space. But what's going on is Jesus is trying to say, if you want to be in a shepherd-sheep relationship with me, yes, it starts with hearing, but it's got to move to knowing. And it's not just you knowing me, because you can do that academically. It's about me knowing you. It's about you going to the place where you're willing to be transparent and vulnerable before God. Why? Because to know Jesus, we must also be known by Jesus. Maybe today you feel like you're stuck in your walk with God. There's things that you want that you've yet to have. I just want, I want to encourage you with this question. Maybe this is a question that's standing in between where you are and what you want. Jesus, search me. You just see whatever you want to see. Hey, and maybe that's too bold. Maybe that's too big for you today. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to start a journey today where you're going, I'm not ready to, sh to, to chat with you about everything, but let's just start with this one room, okay? This one's a little easier than the others, okay? This is the entryway of, the, of my internal world. We will, move, we will move on to further rooms as we, as we get to know each other a bit. But as long as you're on that journey, you have, you have then put yourself in sheep shepherd. You're putting yourself in the place where you're hearing... You're, you're, you're going, God, I want your word to burn in me. I want to perceive and understand what you're doing. I want to resonate with your word. And now you're, you're stepping into experience. And these things aren't necessarily progressive. They're holistic. They happen at the same time. We hear and we know. We perceive and we experience. We understand and we encounter. Do you see what I mean? That is this Genosco place. We are experiencing God. To know Jesus, we must also be known by Jesus. Sometimes we want to hear God's advice, but deny him access. Sometimes we want to hear God's advice, but deny his authority. 
And I want to invite you today, not just to hear, but to invite him in to be known by Jesus. So we're going to hear, we're going to know, but the third thing that John chapter 10 is leading us to do is to follow. Do you know, like, that we actually aren't really positioned to hear God's voice rightly until we've, actually, we've also positioned ourselves to follow what we hear. That for Jesus, he, he, never, he never imagined that we would, we, we would seek him without wanting to follow him. Like that, that wasn't in his mind. He's, he's not thinking, yeah, let's sit down and I'll be one voice out of many in your life. I mean, that's, that's not even the way he thinks about it. The way he thinks about it is, is you've already made a decision about who I am. And so you want to hear from me. You want to encounter me and you want to follow me. That's, that, we're in a relationship now. And I'm not saying you've got to go from zero to ten. Maybe you're on a faith journey. I'm not saying he won't talk to you. Jesus preached to people who never followed him. My point is this, if you want to enter into a place where you're in regular and continual conversation with God, his idea on that relationship is a shepherd and a sheep. That you're trusting him for your soul's nourishment. You're trusting him for the pace of your life. You're trusting him for which job or career I should take. You're trusting him for, should I, is this a, a relationship I should invest in or not? You're trusting him for, when I give, I trust you to meet my needs. You're trusting him to serve those in the world around you. You're trusting him to identify needs that you're meant to give to. You are following. You are following. Can I teach you some more Greek? This is, the last, this is the last crazy word, I promise, okay? Follow in this passage is the Greek word akalatheo, akalatheo, okay? And it ha it's used 92 times in the New Testament. It means this, to follow one who precedes. Join him as his attendant or accompany him. This is, this, is prop, this is literally what it means. It means to be in the same way with. You see, one of the reasons Jesus used this, this analogy of shepherd and sheep is because in those days, and still in many, um, in many agrarian societies in the East, we don't do this in the West. This is not how we shepherd. The, the, sheep would actually, the shepherd would actually lead the sheep. Um, in, in the West, we drive the sheep. I mean, we get dogs and horses, and, you know, and we're driving them like, get over there. But in, in the East, they lead the sheep. And his whole idea of they know my voice is there were no, there were no fields in that day so, uh, with, with, with fences. So everybody's sheep would just be grazing openly. And at night, they would go to a safe place. Each shepherd from that area would bring their flock into a sheep fold. And at night, all the sheep would mix together in the sheep fold. There's a, probably a water source there, a food source perhaps. And they all mix. In the morning, the shepherds get up and he would, he would go stand in the middle of the sheep and he would start to talk to the sheep. Historians even say they, they wouldn't even teach them specific calls. It was just the tone of his voice that his sheep would know. And as the shepherd started to walk out of the sheepfold, the sheep hearing the tone of his voice would naturally follow. He wouldn't have to get behind them and drive them. All he did was speak. And they were so familiar with the sound of his voice, something in them moved, something in them resonated because they had encountered their shepherd. They knew when I needed food, he fed me. When I needed rest, he stopped. 
When I needed to do some exercise, he pushed us on. And now I know I can recognize his voice. This is what this word means. This is the same word in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Luke 5, 27 and 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Matthew 19, 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Same word. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The world around us is obsessed with gaining influence, with leadership. The biblical story exalts not leadership, but followership. I love leadership. I'm reading leadership something all the time, or podcasts, or blogs, or something. I, I, leadership for me is, that, that's something I want to be involved in. But following, I'm like, that's just not natural for me. That's not natural. That's not my normal gears. Like, yes, please lead the way. I would, I'd prefer you didn't, so I can. That's, that's kind of my natural gear, okay? Um, but when's the last time you went in Waterstones into the, the management or business section and saw 21 irrefutable, irrefutable laws of following. That's not a bestseller, is it? Because it doesn't hit anything on the inside of us. But let me just tell you something about the way you're built, the way you're wired. You were wired to follow someone greater than you. You were wired to follow the lover of your soul, the Bible calls him, the desire of the nations, the fairest of 10,000, the bright and morning star. You were, you, were, you were designed to follow Jesus. And maybe you've been searching for fulfillment by trying to lead or, or inspire or impact or whatever else you want to you fill that void with. But today, the only thing that can ultimately satisfy is when you step into that place where I'm going to listen for the shepherd's voice and then I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. Let's go back to John 15 where we talked about the vine and the branches. Jesus keeps talking about that topic and this is what he says. As the Father's loved me, I've loved you. He's talking to you. As, as God loved Jesus, Jesus is saying, I love you too. Now... Remain in my love. Can I just break your, down your job description for you, follower of Jesus? Uh, here it is. Remain in my love. That's it. That's your job description. Remain in my love. Are you having a bad day? Yep. Okay. Yep. Feeling distressed? Okay. Remain in my love. Yes. Um, you're, you're, you have a heaviness today? Yeah. Yep. You're feeling like I'm not really creating fruit in the kingdom? Uh, there it is right there. It's those four words. Remain in my love. If you have a remaining problem, nothing else will work. If you're trying to do this outside of Jesus, it will be fruitless. That's the point of John 15. You have one job. Have you seen those memes? <laughs> have you seen those memes where it's like, You'll cut, you'll, you'll, uh, it'll be a business place and it, it's a meme and on it says you had one job and it's like it's not done, you know. This is your one job, follower of Jesus. 
Remain in my love. Just remain. Stay. Plant. Don't move. Stay right there in Jesus' love. If you keep my commands, you will remain. How do you remain? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Jesus already answered. If you keep what I tell you, if you listen to what I say, if you keep those, if you hold those, if you do those, if you follow those, that's how you remain. Do you know where I want your outreach, your heart for outreach and evangelism, Ramp Church, to come from? Do you know where I want your service on, 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 to make gatherings happen at Ramp Out of love. I don't, want, I, I don't want us to have serve teams full of people that feel like we've got to perform to earn God's, God's uh, 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 good opinion of us. No, no, no. It needs to come out of a, a place where we love him so much. We, we want to keep his commands and we're remaining in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Good, thank goodness we have an example in Jesus. You're my friends if you do what I command. This is awesome. Watch this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Woo! Inside, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. In other words, I talk to you about this stuff. You know behind the scenes. So you're doing my commands not just because I'm God, but because we have a relationship. You've heard, you've known, and now you follow because you've heard and you've known. We are invited into this relationship with God where we don't just hear God's inspiration, but we want his instruction. We don't just hear God's opportunities, but we want obedience. We live a life of obedience. Band, would you go ahead and come up? And I want to read another excerpt from a book to you today. This is powerful. This is powerful. This is Henry Nguyen. Um, and I want this to bless you today. He's describing his own journey of hearing from God, knowing God, and following him. And I'm, I'm going to read several... Uh, paragraphs here, so I just want you to stay, stay focused. From the beginning, Henry says, two inner voices have been speaking to me. One saying, Henry, be sure you make it on your own. Be sure you become an independent person. Be sure I can be proud of you. And another voice saying, Henry, whatever you're going to do, even if you don't do anything very interesting in the eyes of the world, be sure you stay close to the heart of Jesus. Be sure you stay close to the love of God. I'm sure we all hear these voices to some degree. One that says, make something of your life. Find a good career. One that says, be sure you never lose touch with your vocation. He means his call. There's a struggle. There's a tension there. At first, I tried to resolve this by becoming sort of a hyphenated priest. Henry was a priest. A priest uh, hyphen psychologist. People would say, we don't really like having priests around. And I could reply, oh, well, I'm a psychologist. I'm clearly in touch with things, so don't laugh at me. I tried hard to keep those two voices together. The voice calling me upward towards success in the church and, and the academy and the voice calling me downward into solidarity with the poor and the vulnerable. Early in life, I pleased my father and mother immensely by studying, then teaching, then becoming somewhat well-known by going to Notre Dame, Yale, and Harvard. I pleased a lot of people by doing so and also pleased myself. But somewhere on the way up, I wondered if I was still in touch with my vocation or my call. 
I began noticing that when I found myself speaking to thousands of people about humility, at the same time wondering what they were thinking of me. I didn't feel peaceful. Actually, I felt lonely. I didn't know where I belonged. I was pretty good on the platform, but not always that good in my own heart. I began to wonder if perhaps my career hadn't gotten in the way of my vocation. So I began to pray. If you're wondering where to start, that's it. That was a clue for you. I began to pray, Lord Jesus, let me know where you want me to go and I will follow. But please be clear about it. What does God want from me is a question we all ask, not once and for all, but throughout our lives. Should I get a job or go back to school, get ordained or do lay ministry, teach or preach, work in another country or closer to home, get married or stay single, have a family or join a community? There are many facets to a life fully committed to God's will and way. What I tell others who ask these questions and remind myself with surprising convictions is this. God has a very special role for you to fulfill. God wants you to stay close to his heart and let him guide you. You have one job, Ram Church. Remain in his love. He wants you to stay close to his heart and let him guide you. You will know what you are called to do when you have to know it. New vocations are full of promise. Something very important is in store for us. There's a hidden treasure to discover. And here's what I want to leave you with today, Ramp Church. This is, this is what I want you to be able to say. This is what I want to be able to say myself to God. When you enter a new time of listening prayer or listening posture, God, I'm ready to hear because I'm ready to know because I'm ready to follow. God, I'm ready to hear, I'm ready to perceive, I'm ready to understand because I'm ready to know, I'm ready to experience, I'm ready to encounter, I'm, I'm ready to be shaped by you because I'm ready to follow, I'm ready to journey with you, I'm ready to join you in your vocation, I'm ready to apprentice under you, I'm ready to follow you, Jesus, because I'm ready to know you, because I'm ready to hear you. That's the posture you and I are meant to take. If you're having trouble hearing from God right now in this season, many, I know many of you watching are in that place. What do you do? Today, you start the journey by maybe you don't hear today, but you're getting yourself ready to hear. Maybe you're not ready to hear, but I want to be ready to hear. Maybe I'm not ready to know, but I want to be ready to know. Maybe I'm not ready to open up, but I want to be ready to open up. Maybe I'm not ready to follow, but I want to be ready to follow. Sometimes when prayer doesn't feel like a conversation, but like a monologue, just you to him, that prayer is not wasted prayer because what's it doing? It's making you ready. It's making you ready to hear what God wants to tell you. It's making you ready to know the God who's talking and it's making, ready, uh, making you ready to follow the God who's being revealed. Prayer is never wasted. Worship is never wasted. Time in God's word is never wasted. If, if you don't hear from him, I promise he's working in your life for you to be able to hear, to know, and to follow. Let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to close the service by singing a song together. And I, I want to invite you into listening prayer. <laughs> You're going, God, I want to be ready. I want to hear, open my ears, open my heart to hear you.